Praise the Lord. Can everyone hear me? Certainly we give honor to the Most High God. We give honor to our Lord and our Savior, uh, Jesus the Christ, and to the precious Holy Spirit. I give honor uh, to Bishop uh, Brown, to all of the other bishops, to the pastors, to the overseers, uh, to the elders, uh, to the deacons, and to all of the leaders uh, that are online today, to the council uh, that I had the pleasure to take part in on yesterday. Uh, I give honor to you, to the seniors. I noticed that there are a number of seniors, uh, more senior than I. I acknowledge each of you and I give honor to you, uh, and to Minister Brian, uh, Brian uh, Brown and to Dottie and to all to whom honor is due. Certainly glad to uh, have this privilege and this opportunity to share today in this capacity. Uh, I'm always excited when God is calling someone uh, into the service. You know, we know that we don't have to be ordained to do this, but nevertheless, uh, to go through this uh, process to uh, specifically identify someone is always a privilege. And I count it an honor uh, to be one selected for this occasion. I am certainly uh, grateful that I've had the, uh, I would say the privilege and the pleasure to have an encounter with uh, Ryan when he came through as one of the students here. He made an impact on my life. Uh, I consider him uh, to be a friend. I consider him to be someone uh, that I see God is getting ready to do something extraordinary uh, through him and whatever the Lord has for him to do at Cathedral. Now, it seems like that I'm not loud enough. Am I loud enough? All right, so I can rest in this. Okay, I just wanted to make sure. And so if mine is not to prolong, but mine is to share uh, with you something that the Lord God has placed on my heart uh, for such a time as this. I just enjoy uh, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. I enjoy uh, first and foremost uh, serving in the communities and serving abroad as we champion the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I can get excited and I can get a little bit fast at my uh, speech. And so if I'm going too fast, y'all hold up a hand or something, say slow down man of God so that we can uh, catch what you're saying. But I'm gonna utilize the text that was already read uh, which is 2 Timothy chapter 4, uh, verses 1 through 5. And I'm going to read it through the Hoban Christian Standard, if you would allow me, uh, beginning at verse number 1. Uh, this uh, this letter is what uh, one that has written was written by uh, the Apostle Paul, certainly to one that he deemed his son uh, by the name of Timothy. And I want you to hear the word of God again. He says, I solemnly charge you before God and Christ Jesus, who is going to judge the living and the dead, and because of his appearing and his kingdom, he goes on to say, proclaim the message, persist in it, whether it's convenient or not, rebuke and correct and encourage with great patience and teaching. Then he says, for the time will come uh, when they will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch uh, to hear something new. Verse number four, and they will turn away from hearing the truth and will turn aside to myth. But as for you, be serious about everything, endure hardship, and do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. It is this latter verse that I want to put my focus on. But as for you, and I know uh, one verse that says be watchful and everything, uh, but the Holman uh, records it this way, to be serious about everything and endure hardship and do the work of an evangelist, fulfill the ministry. 
And uh, this particular text, no doubt, has been used countless times throughout history. In fact, I can recall even in my own ordination that uh, it was used to encourage me in the way of the Lord. If you're talking about uh, giving someone instructions on how they ought to conduct themselves, uh, the letters, First and Second Timothy, uh, Paul, uh, is, are the letters that often people utilize because it is packed with so much encouragement. It is packed uh, with so much focus and power that I think that is incumbent upon us to take the opportunity and just to share a little bit of the truth that Paul has given this young man. We understand that this man, Timothy, was called into the gospel ministry, many believe, in his latter years. He was either in his late teens or his early 20s, uh, but no doubt or uh, no, no question about what his age was. We're not concerned about that, but here's what I, I, I understand from the text, that when he received the call of God, he was on fire for the Lord. Listen, he didn't have to be old like anyone else. Uh, in his youth, he was on fire from the Lord. We know that from the moment that they laid hands upon this man of God, I get a picture in my mind that he was excited about that God chose him. Out of anybody else that could have been chosen, the Lord chose this man of God and he took serious the call on his life. And I'm saying to, to you today, Ryan, that this is the call that those of us who have already gone before you, who have already gone through this process, that we also had to recognize, and I know that you know this, is that we must take serious the call of God on our lives. When we look at what is happening today, and I know people have been saying this for uh, centuries after centuries, but I'm here to tell you that the time of Christ's return is closer now than ever before. And when we look at all of the madness out there, and we look at all of the individuals who have substituted righteousness for unrighteousness, when we look at all of the ungodliness, when we look at the insanity that has become the norm in our society, I'm here to tell you that there's never a day like, uh, I believe, since the beginning of the birth of the church, where the the gospel must be preached with a kind of passion uh, that will convict people that they need to come up out of their sins uh, and to be holy because our God is holy. We need to not grow tired of talking about the importance of being righteous and holy before the most awesome king because he's coming back looking for a people that is righteous. He's looking for a people that is holy. He's looking for a people that is awaiting his return. And so let me share with you, lest I get too carried away. Uh, I love the way that that that, uh, uh, that Paul writes this. Now, when you look at uh, chapter uh, verse number five, it says, be serious about everything. Be watchful about everything. Let me say, uh, say to you that the Greek word for uh, to watch or to be serious is the same word that means to be sober minded. All right. Now I'm 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 going to go a little bit a little deeper. I love it because here's what what Paul is telling Timothy. He says, "What I want you to be, I don't want you to be drunk with wine. I don't want you to be uh, intoxicated with fame or notoriety. I don't want you to be disillusioned by anything that the enemy is going to bring your way. I don't want you to get it twisted as to who you are and what it is that you're called to be. This Greek word to mean be serious means this: in everything that is going on, you stay calm." cool and collected. I want you to understand what he's saying. And I don't care what's happening. I don't care what COVID-19 is happening. I don't care what is happening. It may cause everybody to run wild and to be fearful but because God's anointing is on your life. And because you are called to be an encourager and you are called to lift up the most high God, he says, as for you, young man, you stay calm. You be cool and you stay collected and never lose sight of the purpose for which you're called. 
Never lose sight of it because we need to understand that this, this world needs to see individuals who are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, who will open up their mouth, plant their feet, and listen, square up their shoulder, and tell the world what thus saith the Lord. Don't you allow the enemy to hush you. Don't you allow the naysayers to cause you to even doubt the existence of the Almighty God. We know that God is real and that his power lives on the inside. He said, you stay calm, Timothy, and you, you stay collected, and you be serious about what you're doing and no matter what you have to go through you endure the hardship and here's the thing you do the work of an evangelist and you fulfill your ministry now i'm submitting to you and i've heard it stated earlier that this moment was foreordained even before the foundations of the world and like god knew uh, jeremiah in his uh, in his womb of his mother and he ordained him to do that i submit to you that uh, uh, before the foundations of the world in the books of heaven this moment was already written about you you need to understand that each one of us, before we were formed and born, that God had a preordained plan for our lives. And our goal is to listen, to figure that out. Our goal is to go through the hardship. Our goal is to allow the grace of God to push us to who God had created us to be from the beginning. And how do you know that you're walking in that? Because you will do it even though nobody's paying you. You will do it because it brings joy unto you. You will do it because it's a passion that shoots up on the inside of you. How do you know that God is calling you to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ because if you in a crowded room you will still preach the gospel of Jesus Christ if you in an empty room you will still preach the gospel of Jesus Christ you wake up in the morning and God is on your mind you go throughout the day and the Lord God is on your mind you can't help yourself but to advocate the truth of the gospel and I'm here to tell you that it is nothing wrong with being called of God because it is a blessing and an honor to carry the good news of the gospel you must know that we have to understand this thing, that our job is to allow the grace of God. And from this moment of being elevated to eldership, don't you rest in that title. You got work to do. Don't you rest in, in the fact that folks are going to look at you differently. Don't you get disillusioned by any of those things. You stay humble and you keep the people of God in your foreview. You got to make sure that we understand we got too many people trying to be served, but you need to be a servant of the most high God. You need to be a servant to the least of these that are out of here in the community. We have a world that is coming apart and folks are fearful and, and people are just lost as they can be. And so who's going to carry light in the midst of darkness? One of the things that I love about this time that we're living in. It's because it gives the church an opportunity to shine like never before. Here's the thing. I'm not one that is fearful. I'm not one that is running in the corner and hiding out because here's the thing that I've learned about being a light of Jesus Christ. That light shines the brightest in the darkest of situations. And when you understand the truth that we are in, we're in a situation where the church ought to listen rally like the first century church. We should not be intimidated, but this is the time that we can demonstrate our love and that we can demonstrate the power of the Almighty God, that we can demonstrate who we are in God because we are called to be light and we must never be hidden. Don't allow yourself to become disillusioned. There are a few things that I want you to understand. And I, as I, if you allow me, I know uh, I don't have about an hour to preach, but I'm going to take it about two more minutes of this thing and then we're going to we're going to get out of the way. But I want to share something with you. Uh, First Timothy, if you're writing down, I want to make sure that you look at a few things that I went through and I've asked God to give some wisdom so that we can understand. 
First Timothy 4, uh, uh, verse 7 through 12. And it talks about something I'm going to pick up in verse number 7. I'm just going to read part of it because we don't have a whole lot of time. But write it down if those of you who are writing it down. First Timothy 4, uh, uh, verse number 7 through 12. He says, but have nothing to do uh, with irreverent and silly myth. But he says, but rather train yourself with godliness. He says, for the training of the body has a limited benefit. But godliness is beneficial in every way since it holds promise for this present life and also for the life to come. Here's what he said that as you are being serious about ministry, he says one of the points that he told Timothy that I say to you today, make sure that you train yourself in godliness. Listen, you need to walk that walk. Don't just talk about something. People need to see the gospel being demonstrated in how you carry yourself. How you speak, how you love, how you walk with your everyday life. Let it be one uh, that says that holiness is upon your life. Here's what God says. Yahweh says, you be holy because I'm holy. You look holy because you're connected to me. Even before you open up your mouth, Ryan, they need to discern that the hand of God and the presence of God is on your life. You ever walked in the place carrying the anointing of the most high God and people look at you and they understand that you are carrying the presence of the almighty God. Sometimes they get uncomfortable. Sometimes those who are calling foolishness, they, they, they mouth hush because holiness don't walk into the room. Wherever you are, let the presence of the almighty God be there. Where I am, God is. Where you are, the authority of the almighty God is. You need to make sure that you walk in that authority. He tell Timothy, don't you just be a child. Don't you let the adult folks try to hush you. You practice godliness. You make it a point to get up in the day when you go outside the, uh, at the house that you're going to carry the, 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 the Holy Spirit with you. You're going to carry the presence of the almighty God. He says, train your body. In other words, you have to be active in this. Don't, 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 don't just sit around and think stuff just supposed to come through osmosis. You got to labor in prayer. You have to labor in the word of God. You have to labor uh, in making sure that you get in the presence of God. Why know all of this stuff and not put yourself willfully in a position where you have to use it? Don't be afraid that you don't know everything that's out there. Just know that you know God and God will direct your path. We need to understand that we need a world of, of, of believers who are who are called to holiness. Many people want to preach the gospel, but very few people want to live holy before the Lord God. And we have a world today that is confused. They become disenfranchised, disenchanted because they have seen the lifestyle of too many of us who advocate that we are, are the most high God. But our lives are raggedy. We live in a way that doesn't honor the Lord God. Don't you allow that to be your narrative. Don't you allow that to be the testimony that you have before a most righteous God. We must understand that righteousness is the order of the day. And that means rightly following the commands of God. Righteousness is something that will always be uh, in, in style, if you allow me to say it that way. First Timothy 4, verse 14 and 17, he says this. He says, you got to make sure that you train yourself in godliness. And he goes on and he tells this young man, don't you neglect the gifts on the inside of you. I don't know what they are. I'm not advocating that I know every gift that's given to you. But whatever the gift that has been revealed to you, don't you leave them dormant. Gifts are best used and they're perfected when you put them in work. Don't you allow the gift to you to listen. Don't you allow your gift to be evil spoken of. But you take the gift, whether that is teaching or leadership, whether that is service, whatever it is, God will help you flesh that out. You have a gift. 
Our goal is to surrender and to know the Lord God. And the more that we know him, God will begin to make clear why you are who you are. What it is that you have on the inside of you. I was an introvert. I was somebody who was a closed in. I was somebody who stayed to himself. If you would have told me when I was a young man, overweight and been picked on and ostracized, that I would be preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, I would call you crazy. If you would have told me when I was young that I'd be able to travel on different continents carrying the good news of Jesus Christ, I would say that you're out of your mind. But God took this guy who had an encounter with him on one day on Highway 16. I got out of my car at one o'clock in the morning and I got in the meeting and I I said, God, I surrender my life to you. And when I did that some 35 years ago, God has used me for his honor and his glory. And I'm saying to you that God is no respecter of person that when you surrender your heart wholly to him, when you trust in him in all of your ways, you acknowledge him. And don't you dare lead to your own understanding. Know that God is going to take you to where your gift will not only be utilized, but they will be perfected. You can't have your gift perfected if you're not serving. Your gift are never perfected sitting in the house of God. We got a church that's supposed to be a salt that is stopping the decay of humanity. And yet the salt don't want to come out of the sick. We sit inside and we don't want to be a part of a community. We are created to stop decay. When we're, we, are, we are created to preserve that which is holy and righteous. And salt only works when it's applied to that which is decaying. Salt serves no purpose sitting inside its container. It must be poured out on a community which God has placed us. Got to find ways. What is it that God put in your community? What stuff can we do? How can we help those who are a part of the human trafficking? How can we help those who are hungry? How can we help those who are destituted? And those who people who are marginalized look over them, those who have been unfairly treated. We can't turn a blind eye to them. We can't turn a deaf ear to them. We must understand that if the church don't do it, the government is not going to do it. It is us that must understand that we must embody whom God has called us to be. And so he says, don't, don't neglect the gift. Oh, God. He says, but you need to practice these things and be committed. Don't let it be a ministry of convenience. Let it be something that you uh, you have to be inconvenienced for. Listen, there are days that I don't feel like preaching, but I can't help myself. Oh God, There are days I don't feel like serving. And I say that I'm going to stop. But like Jeremiah, there's a fire that shoots up in your bone and you can't help yourself. Let me go a little bit closer, a little to the end. Let me let me skip over to uh, one or two other verses. Then I'm going to stop. Uh, uh, so we got to we got to practice or train yourself in godliness. We have to not neglect uh, the gift. You got to make sure that you commit yourself to the gift that God has given you and you got to put them to practice. First Timothy 6 and 10 uh, at verse number 12 actually says this. He says, fight the good fight of faith. And so I want to make sure that you got that. So you got to you got to make sure that you train yourself in godliness. You got to make sure that you don't neglect your gift. And then the third thing that you got to fight the good side of faith. In other words, you got to take hold of eternal life, keep it before you like your whole life depend upon it. And it does. And you need to have 
have that kind of vigor and that kind of passion that says, I'm going to do that. And so, but he tells him, don't you be, don't you be overtaken by the love of money because the love of money is the root of all evil. He says, but as for you, you run away from this mentality and you pursue righteousness and godliness and faith and love and endurance and gentleness. That's the good fight of faith. Don't allow yourself to be like so many have become that they are greedy and they're at the filthy looking and they're coming after the mammon. You can't serve God and mammon at the same time. Choose you this day who you will serve. So he goes on lastly. He says, therefore, in 2 Timothy, the second letter, first chapter one, verse, verse number six. He says, I remind you this thing. He says, keep ablaze the gift of God. Every now and again, when life happens, yeah, you're going through one of those situations when life's happening. That's not the time for the enemy to silence you, but you stir up the gift that's on the inside of you. You set ablaze that flame that is on the inside of you. The flame that I saw when you were here at Hampton University, you may not have been exactly where God needed you to be perfectly, you know, but you were still in his permissive will. And God saw you like he saw me. I was out there doing some things, not everything that is out there. And that's not relevant. But here's the point is, is that all of your experiences, the good and the bad, the ups and the down, they define who you have become. God takes all of that. And if you and listen, don't you worry about trying to be perfect. Listen, we need to understand this truth that though you may have more failures in your life than successes, God has taken them and he has used them uh, for your, his honor and his glory. And so don't you worry about trying to count how, how many successes and how many failures. Know that they all make you you. And they all make you uniquely who you are. And so when it's time for you to speak it, especially when somebody is going through something that you already know how to identify, don't you be ashamed to tell somebody, I've been there and I've done that. Yes, I, I, I failed. Yes, I took part of that. But listen, it didn't stop there. Like, like Paul on the Damascus Road, I had an encounter one day and I met the Lord God and he turned my life away. And so listen, we already know that the enemy stands up in heaven and uh, like he walked up with Job and like he walked before the Lord God. When you look at the old narrative of uh, Enoch and the Jubilees and Jasher, that he went up also and, uh, and accused Abraham. He accused all of us who are following the will of the most high God. He's going to try to accuse you, but you let your testimony advocate for you. You let the blood of Jesus Christ that is on your life and you let the work that you're doing that is led by the power of the most high God. Let that be your voice and your savior that is in heaven. Jesus, Yahshua the Christ. He will say, hold up. I don't care what you're saying about Ryan. He is anointed and he is covered by my blood and my hands rest upon him. You can try him and see he won't quit on me. He won't turn his back on me because, listen, he carries my presence and he carries my spirit. And you need to have that mentality until God calls you to stand before his presence. I carry the glory of the most high God. I carry the presence of, of Yahshua the Christ. I carry his presence and I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For well, listen, there's a power that's inside of me. I'm not ashamed because I have his love. I'm not ashamed because God has given me sound judgment. I'm not ashamed of who I am. In fact, I, I close with the text that we started with. He says, you stay calm, you stay cool, you be collected, right? Don't let stuff pass you by. 
Don't get caught up in foolish stuff and allow the world to pass you by and you have not made your mark or your imprint. He says, don't be afraid to go through the hardship. God ain't mad at you. God is perfecting you. God allows you. You'll never be made. Oh, God, you'll never be made a man. Uh, I heard a preacher say this some years ago. I can't recall who it was. Uh, I think it was Bishop Booth uh, some years ago down at the Hampton Minister Conference. He says, what makes a preacher a preacher is pain, brother. He said, you can be a pulpiteer, you can be an eloquent speaker, but until you go through some pain, that's when preaching starts. Until you go through some failure, that's when you begin to preach. That's when it becomes real to you. And so don't despise those, uh, those embarrassing moments. Don't you despise those failure moments because they're going to give you the substance to really preach and understand and somebody who's been there who knows that now they say now you're speaking to me you're not telling me what's in the book you're speaking from your heart and your reality allow your life to be the narrative to which God proclaims to the people that you serve and then he says just do the work of an advantage and fulfill your ministry when it's all said and done that's all anybody can ask of you the ministry to which you have been elevated for, fulfill it. God bless you. Pastor Harold. Amen. 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 Bishop. See, that's a powerful message, and we just give God praise, honor, and glory. Make everybody want to preach. We give God the glory, and and it's just so awesome that uh, we are called to do the work of God. You're called. And today, this is an opportunity for a salvation call to anybody today, that if you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior and the departing of your sins, that this is an opportunity to, to, to call on him as Lord and Savior. It tells us in Romans uh, 10 and 9 that we need to confess the Lord Jesus with our mouth. And so for anybody who's listening today, who's watching today, know Jesus as Lord and Savior, and maybe you're even in a backslidden position and you just need to uh, take this time, this moment right now, uh, this opportunity presents itself to call on the name of Jesus. So for anybody that's listening today, I want you to repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I admit that I'm and I've come short of your glory. But today, Lord, this day, I give my heart, my mind, and my soul to you. Come into my heart, wash me, mold me, and cleanse me, and make me like new. And now if you said that word and meant it in your heart, you are now saved and dedicated to the Lord. It tells us in Luke chapter 15 that the angels are rejoicing at the decision that you've just made. So we give God praise and honor and glory for salvation, for a new life, for a new beginning, for a fresh anointing we give god the praise and the glory in jesus name amen and amen